Now you can see why I asked those guys to come down. They are, they are a blessing to us. They are a blessing to God's kingdom. And, uh, you know, two brothers that are just using gifts that God has given them uh, in terms of creativity. Um, and for them, that's not really, that's who they are. They're not really acting. You know, Shaq is, uh, Shaq is regularly busting out in tears with Jeff. And <laughs> But thanks for coming down, guys. We really appreciate it. And I really appreciate God's kingdom. You know, this morning as I was uh, doing a time of meditation, and as I promised yesterday at our uh, workshop, and I'm so grateful some of you over the last couple of months have just really uh, put it in my mind, and then it became in my heart to, to do a workshop, because that's your tradition here. Uh, it's something I, I'm excited about trying to figure out, man, is that something you know we can figure out how to do back in Omaha? And I was just really, really moved yesterday by everybody that was there and the participation and the engagement. And uh, I just really think Emily Sampson at the end of their time together yesterday, just opening up her heart um, and pouring it all out, because that's what it's all about. But as I was doing a time of meditation this morning, I was in the, the book of Proverbs And in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, God tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And I think even about the idea of meditation. We talked yesterday about meditation. We talked yesterday about learning how to just reconfigure, reroute our lifestyles so that it has more of a godly kingdom rhythm versus the rhythm of the world. I think about how applicable this scripture is for us in our modern setting. I think about how applicable this scripture for us is, even in the concept of hospitality. Because as we dig into the, the word of God and we, and we actually extract God's message to us, some things ought to be challenged in terms of our historical paradigms and how we have typically viewed the Word of God and our role in engaging God's Word and, and making that effective in our life. And I think hospitality is one of those key things that just is something that we haven't been necessarily focusing on a whole lot in the sense of it, of the biblical application of it. Now, that doesn't make us bad or sinful or anything like that, but it's so much deeper. It's so much broader. And I believe with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my mind that the way for being accused of like they were in the first century church in the book of Acts for turning the world upside down is going to be our willingness our desire, our heart for opening up our lives and our homes and our arms for others. Amen. The old saying is, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. It's so true in our day and age. The very core, the very fabric of most people alive and breathing and taking up space in our country today are searching desperately for relationship. They're lonely, they're heartbroken, they're desperate. 
And on the surface, many, as you know, reject even the concept of scripture or religion. And what they're looking for, though, is for, for us. And I don't even know that they're necessarily intentionally looking for it, but they are looking for us to set that pace, to set that example to where, you know, we're just not Bible thumpers. We're, we're, we're God's representatives. We are, as God inspired Paul to write, Christ ambassadors. You know, and, and, you know, Paul would later say, I implore you, you know, I'm begging you, live life this way. Some of the scriptures we looked at yesterday even showed us that, man, if we are drawn to the Spirit of God, we have life. Anything less than that, we're dead. We're living dead. And so as we go through even some of the, the, uh, the things that we'll look at today, it's, it's, we're picking up for a little bit from where we left off yesterday, is this idea of trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. You know, when Scripture tells us something, we ought to listen. For any of you like me, grown, grew up in the 60s and 70s even, you remember a commercial from an investment bank called E.F. Hutton, right? And the commercial was always, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. And they were in a restaurant. Everybody would like go like this in the restaurant, you know. But And that ought to be our heart towards the Word of God. When God speaks, we should be listening. And more often than not, embracing and putting God's wisdom, God's love for us in action. Shaq and Jeff, I thank you so much for sharing those stories and demonstrating for us God's truths. But I'm still waiting for that day where Shaq literally jumps up and, and you catch him, Jeff. I mean, <laughs> I'm still waiting. So anyway, I want to talk to us for a few minutes this morning as we continue on this idea of philoxenia, which is the New Testament word for hospitality. And we sing it in that song all the time, right? You know what I'm saying? Philozenia, philozenia, philo. Mark, we don't sing that one here yet? No? Okay. <clears throat> I just made that one up. So, the love of stranger. And, you know, Scripture actually gives us a, a, lot, of, a lot of teaching regarding, you know, love. We can have strangers right here amongst us even though we think we know one another. And unfortunately, now that I'm as old as I am, old, as I am which I'm not going to tell you unless you pay, pay me a small fee, but <laughs> I've learned that we can, have, we can have strangers even in our own household. We, we don't communicate. You know, we don't talk. We don't, we don't really nurture those things that evolve and, and deepen our relationship. So I want to just... I want to just take these things uh, from the story of Abraham. We're not going to do Martha and Mary. I forgot to send the send button too. So we're not doing Martha and Mary. We're actually doing Abraham. But take a few things from Abraham's example of hospitality and make some application for us here this morning. Oh, I have to turn it on. Yes. So this is from uh, a book called the Lexicum Theological Workbook. And, you know, it talks about biblical hospitality. 
And if you can't read that, that's okay. Uh, I've scheduled an eye exam for you tomorrow. <laughs> but biblical hospitality overlaps only partly with the idea of hospitality of modern Western cultures. Okay, that would be us. We live in a modern Western culture. We live in, we're modern because we don't live in, you know, we're not part of the history, right? We're still here. I'm, I'm modern. You're modern. Right? Um, so today we view hospitality as the recreational sharing of fellowship, lodging, and provisions among friends or relatives. In fact, given we're in the state of Kansas, and Kansas has a football team that's playing in some kind of ceremonial uh, patronage that, uh, today, uh, I'm sure there are several of your households that will be gathering for some kind of joyous celebration or perhaps mass depression you know, afterward. I don't know. I, got, I don't have any skin in the game. Sorry, Dan. I got no skin in the game, buddy. But, you know, you're going to be gathering for, and it's great, because you're going to be hanging out with people that you like to watch football with or whatever the case may be, and, you know, you're going to overeat and have a bunch of M&Ms, or you're going to eat brownies with ice cream, or, you know, I bet you, I bet you there's going to be chips and salsa going everywhere today. So that's what we typically, in modern Western thinking, have kind of been brought up to think of as hospitality, and it's a good thing. It's good. But we also can see that there's um, there's more to it. Clearly included greeting in the biblical hospitality of travelers uh, respectfully, arranging for their feet to be washed, providing food and drink for them and their animals, offering them a place to spend the night and equipping them for further travels. So it's like today we would show up and they would wash the car and fill it with gas and change the oil if you needed an oil change. Uh, have you gotten on that yet, Dave? Uh, <clears throat> And then, you know, preparing you a meal for your trip home or whatever the case may be. So this is what hospitality was back uh, in the first century and even before that in terms of the biblical narrative. <clears throat> and I think as part of this, too, we have to recognize uh, that in the Bible, hospitality involves receiving strangers. And strangers who are travelers who then become guests or treated as friends rather than merely reinforcing pre-existing friendships or bonds of affections of, of people that we've always known. As we think about it and talk about hospitality for several months, this is a big thing for us in Omaha this year, too, and it's our second year in a row. Why? Why do it again? Because we're kind of learning how to do this more robustly and how we make connection. I'm really grateful for our – you guys have a UDT. We have a – I like the UDT phrase. We still have the squad term. But one of their goals is to help create opportunities for the church and get creative regarding how we connect with other people, other cultures within our church, but also activities in which we can begin to embrace and connect with all the different communities within the city of Omaha. And we're, you know, it's just amazing how God is working through all that. You know, the last, the last, uh, I'll just, since, since about 2016, the church in Omaha has, has grown 71%. And it has nothing to do, nothing to do with numbers, you know. It has nothing to do with, like, we've got to have these kind of marching orders. And, you know, what, what God has been doing through this has nothing to do with us. It has everything with all of us collectively saying, we're going to get on page with the Spirit of God. We're going to go back and we're going to reaffirm who we, who we are in Christ. You know, what my identity is really based in. My identity is based in my relationship with God. I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. 
whatever the case may be. And then we've just been talking about things in terms of like spiritual discovery, really get in there and saying, what lies have I been telling myself all the, all these years about who I am and how I relate to others? You know, rediscovering who I am as a child, as a son, as a daughter of God. And then really for the last two years, it's not been anything technical or, you know, over the top exhilarating. In fact, it's been a little bit scary for myself included, but we've just really been basing our, our, our goals on living a life of peace, getting peace in our hearts, getting peace with one another. You're not going to bring people to Jesus if you're a life filled with bitterness and anxiety. It's not going to happen. You might be able to put on a really good front, but it doesn't take more than a minute for, you know, even if it's a perfect stranger for somebody to engage with you and realize like, wow, that person seems awful anxious, very edgy. You know, or something's going on here. I don't know what it is. You know, it's peace, but we peace back into our life. We've been focusing on things like resting or Sabbath, if you will. That was, that's very anti-modern in it. You know, we just, we got, you can't do hospitality when we're exhausted ourselves, you know, I, and I realize the struggle, guys, and this is where I think, going back to the Proverbs 3 passage that I read, trust in the Lord. Own understanding. Let's face it, as modern families, as modern households, sometimes we even struggle to have one meal a week together, let alone two, three, or four. And I really want to encourage you to really think about this, to pray about this, to get Advice even from brothers and sisters within the fellowship, if you're struggling in this realm, this is not the rhythm of life you want to create. You know, we want to create rhythms that, that follow with the peace and the, and the cultivated atmosphere of concern and love for one another that can only come, only come by embracing God's rhythm of life. And so we are repeating again what we started last year, which is Sabbath, Shalom, hospitality. And I know you guys know how to be hospitable. But there's probably opportunity for you to learn how to embrace even the otherness within this fellowship, let alone the community with which you reside. So this is really this is really important piece uh, for us to really be embracing as we move forward or forward into more modernity, if you will. Everything is coming out faster and quicker and more and more. There's just no end to the amount of information we are guided today. We, we are five miles wide and an inch deep with our life, right? And we don't have time to, it's not my point today, but that's just not a healthy rhythm to sustain and to maintain. And it'll be very difficult for the world to be attracted to the body of Christ. Today, we even have an industry called the hospitality industry. You can get a degree in hospitality. (laughs) Right? Nothing wrong with that. But we got to move. I love what somebody said yesterday. We've got to move this out of the realm of transactional and make it transformational. So in this story of Abraham, we find in Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15, Abraham has already been given a vision from God in terms of how God is going to work through Abraham and his family. And through Abraham and his family, all nations will be blessed. 
And that story continues to evolve here in Genesis chapter 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. That's chapter 15. I need to be in chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to the tent. In the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them. And he bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set those before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. And we'll stop right there. I just want to bring out some points for us this morning as it relates to the hospitality of God. Here we have in Genesis 18, the Lord appearing to Abraham. You know, apparently somewhere along the way, I don't know when, but Abraham recognized something special about these visitors. Did he recognize it was the Lord as we might know the Lord uh, right out the gate? We're not sure. But he has these three visitors come. They're obviously not of his clan. They're not of his of, of his lineage. He doesn't know them. They're strangers. And it's the heat of the day. Abraham is taking rest when he saw the three strangers approaching. But there's some great valuable lessons we can learn from this encounter of Abraham that I think as we listen to the word of God and we think about the idea of, of trusting in the Lord and leaning not on our own understanding, what we can see here is in this text is the idea of Abraham's personally serving in his administration to these three visitors. Hospitality is a very personal thing. It's not a transaction. It's an investment. And hospitality is a skill and a gift, but it's also a practice which flourishes as multiple skills are developed, as particular commitments and values are nurtured and as certain settings are cultivated. You've got to be, we've got to be willing to cultivate an atmosphere, even in our own home, of hospitality or being prepared to go and help and support an environment of hospitality. If you're not on those sign-up sheets yet, I really want you to pray about this. They'll be out there for, I think, another week or so to get signed up. Just be a participant. 
There are so many meal scenes in the Bible. Does it surprise you that the most important times in scriptures is when God is recognized? That when Jesus is recognized, it's when they're sitting at table together? There's nothing like being in somebody's kitchen and breaking bread and really having deep conversation, learning more and more about each other, learning where you need to grow, assumptions that you need to let go, issues that you may need to resolve, whatever the case may be. Abraham was very personally involved, even though he was, at this point in time, he was 99 years old. Now, that sounds like a lot. But bear in mind, he was 175 when he died. So he was probably 50 in relative terms, you know. But he's still, he's getting up there in years. And he was a rich guy. And he could have turned all of these tasks over to one of his stewards. And he did involve other people to help them with this. But he was directly, personally involved in this hospitality. Hospitality is very personal. This isn't going to come naturally, and this isn't going to come easy until you really begin to retrain yourself, to, re- to retrain ourselves together as we embrace this idea of biblical hospitality. Abraham ministered immediately. You notice it says here that he ran to meet the visitors. He hurried to tell Sarah. He ran and got a tender calf, you know. He hurried. You know, so it probably took about six hours to get this meal together, you know. It's not like he went to the freezer and popped out a bird's eye frozen turkey, or in Shaq's case, you know, burning the roast beef. It took some time to get this meal together. So when you see the words hurry, you know, take it. We think of hurry today, and, you know, we're so prone to getting everything right now, you know. Anyway. So just try to put yourself in that setting. But, but there, there's, a, there's an urgency around this hospitality. And again, I want to encourage us with this idea that you're going to have to probably work through some things like, you know, I, you don't want, I just want to veg or I just want to be by myself or I just want to go do, you know. You have to give yourself some space and time to grow into this feeling like, oh, I can't wait to have these people over. I can't wait to have Dale and Gita over for a meal. I can't wait to go to Dan's house and watch the Chiefs. I think the other thing we notice here is the idea that time and capacity are important. Like I said yesterday, I'm going to be emailing you guys. I just said this morning that I would start emailing these articles to you weekly. You can do with them what you want. It has everything to do with spiritual disciplines. But I just, I want to share these things with you because I think they're so important for our time and age. We've got to be able to create the time and capacity to impact our world, to impact our families. Abraham was also ministering very generously. The practice of hospitality almost always includes meals together. It requires a light hold on material possessions and a commitment to a simplified lifestyle. A simplified lifestyle. Look for opportunities in your life to simplify. 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 Do I need this? Do I need that? You know, whatever the case may be. 
And, you know, try, it's, it's hard, it's hard. You guys know I had a car accident in November, right? You know, my car got totaled. And praise God, we're now three months into a one-car family. And it's going 99% really good. I'm saving money on car insurance, car repair, gasoline. Wendy and I are having to talk more. We've actually been driving to church together for two straight months for the first time in probably 20-some years. And I'm spewing less emissions into the atmosphere. I want to do my part, you know. But I'm like, why do we need two cars just because he's done that? And then and you probably need two cars if you're a two-car family. If you've got kids, you might need more than, you might need 2.5. That's called a motorcycle. I'm not making any judgments on how many cars you own. I'm just saying, look at your life. What are you holding on to that has any long-term real value? And what is it you can do? What is it we can do to learn how to share those things generously? Abraham also ministered with humility. You know, to me, this really brings up the idea of cultural competency. We are required to be culturally competent. And if that phrase bothers you, again, go back to Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord. What does the Lord say about this? I so appreciate what David spoke on last week, you know, from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, we just have to be all things to all men. Don't ever assume we know what everybody is thinking and how they're thinking. And, and you know, that's just, I've been there with my, the arrogance that's in, involved in that in my own, as I reflect on some of those things, you know, hey, we've all been, I, I remember being 25 and filled with a lot of zeal, but not a whole lot of knowledge, even though I thought I knew everything, right? And it's true, the, the, the longer I live, here's, here's what I take out of that. The more I know, the more I know I don't know. And that can be a little bit unsettling, especially for us in America. We know everything, right? Not right. Anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 27. Paul says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I mean, if you think like things like focus cultural competency is against the grain with evangelism, man, it is nothing but evangelistically laced. Paul's talking about, I've learned to become all things to all people. If I'm with a Greek, I can be like a Greek. If I'm with a Gentile, I can be like a Gentile. If I'm with the poor, I can be humble and meek with the poor. You have to be, I have to be all things to all people. I have to develop those skills, that capacity to absorb the way other people think. Is this, a, is this Paul saying, hey, allow sin to reign? Absolutely not. We know that, right? We don't even really need to say that. But a lot of other things that we get wigged out about, they're just not salvation or biblical issues at all. He goes on to say here, I've become all things to all men, so I might by some means win as many as possible. Furthermore, in verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. As David shared about last week, we need to train ourselves how to do this. There's training involved in learning what it means to be all things. 
all people. And there's no better battlefield or training ground for that than over a great meal together. I'm thankful to God for giving me so much exposure over my short life to be exposed to all different kinds of cultures in different settings, to expand my, my, my mind, to, to begin to understand the possibility of what it means to love others as I love myself. We also see that Abraham ministered collaboratively. You know, there's so much collaboration going on in this scene. He involved ministries of others. Sarah was baking the bread. A young man was dressing the meat. No doubt there were other servants involved in bringing Abraham the butter and the milk. Dwight L. Moody said over 100 years ago, I would rather put 10 people to work than to do the work of 10 people. That's what we saw yesterday. I don't know how many people went to work on all that, but there were a lot of people involved in putting yesterday together, and it was inspiring. The talents and the gifts that lie here that God has blessed us with are amazing. So as we do this, as we participate in hospitality, let's do so collaboratively. Dedicated servants of God, encouraging and inspiring others to serve the Lord also. We saw this slide yesterday too. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. You've been gifted to serve and to serve others. And see, when we have love, which is nurtured through hospitality, which drives more love, which inspires more hospitality, we are so much less likely to implode, to bicker with one another, to fight with one another, because love covers a multitude. I can, I, my wife can overlook my sins, which is a very short list. <laughs> no, it's a pretty, it's a, uh, it's a long list because she loves me and thank God she loves me. That's why I married her, you know? Nobody was going to love me like she could. And vice versa. And before we go out of our way to say, well, let me tell you why that doesn't apply. No, I'm going to tell us, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. In a day of convenience, motels and hotels, we rarely think about what it means to entertain strangers. Hospitality is an important part of who we are as disciples and engaging in Christian ministry. And in fact, being given to hospitality is one of the requirements for leadership in the local church. Just read 1 Timothy and Titus, Matthew 25, 3 John. For most of us, hospitality will need to become a learned behavior. It is neither intuitive nor is it necessarily nurtured in our culture. And it requires a willingness to make time for it, to be open to it, and to be intentional about it. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. 
Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And I've asked my wife, Wendy, to come up and share, if she would, for a moment. Okay, thank you. Um, Tim asked me to share this morning about hospitality because I actually come from a family of amazing hospitality. And I wanted to just share a little bit about that. Um, I grew up in a home with a Church of Christ minister. My dad was a minister since the early 1960s. And um, we had the pleasure of traveling to Australia to do missionary work um, when I was eight years old. And we, living in Australia, had an opportunity to be, our house was always full of ministers coming through, uh, people coming from America to stay in our home. They were coming from around Australia, from other cities, coming into Sydney to get training. Um, Of course, being part of a mission field, there are a lot of people coming in to have Bible studies. We would meet people out and about, and they would be at our kitchen table having Bible studies. It was totally normal for me as a child to be sent to the sofa to sleep for weeks at a time and give up my room. Uh, and it just became part of our life. My mom was always cooking good food. And um, it's interesting that I never thought about complaining about that. Like it it just wasn't part of our who we were. It became such a normal thing, you know. And when our kids were growing up, uh, Tim and I, Tim coming into my family being such a hospitable um mentality, I guess you would say. Uh, Tim adapted into that, and our home was the same way growing up. I mean, our kids were always, we didn't have a guest bedroom for years of being married, but we would always, you know, move everybody out of their rooms and put people in beds and do the best that we could to be hospitable. Um, We've had a chance to have so many people through our home over the years. Sometimes I run into people, and they're like, oh, Wendy, and they're like, I seriously have no idea who they are. And they're like, I stayed at your house, you know, and they'll be telling me this whole story about how they'd stayed at our house. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, slowly come back. But then also to have the opportunity then to share that by being in their homes. And I feel like since we've been here, I mean, we've had such amazing hospitality. Um, people have fed us. They have housed us. They have loved us, taken us for coffee even just talking and sharing with us and uh, just such a generous um, group. And we have felt so loved uh, here. And I thank you for that. Tim and I thank you for that. So um, a couple of things, just some pointers that I've learned over the years. Um, I don't enjoy cooking. Just going to say. <laughs> it is not my happy place. So how do I serve hospitality when you don't enjoy cooking? Okay, so here's some tips. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I feed my family. I mean, my family doesn't starve, right? So I feed my family simple. I have like 10 dishes that I make that I can do in my sleep. And they are meat and potato dishes, and my family's okay. They're, they're good. They're surviving. When I have company, that's what they eat too. And I've never had any complaints. I feel like everybody's done fine. They've lived well. Um, so do what you do. 
do it how you do it. You know, if you're like um, Elia and you just love to like do fancy, do fancy. People love that. You know, they love that good cooking and that generosity and that little pampering and the little chocolates on your bed, you know. That's really sweet. And if that's not you, then be you. You know, clean your bathroom. Tip number one. If you have a clean bathroom, nobody cares about any the rest of your house. It's all cool. It's all good. Just clean your bathroom. That's all you got to do. Um, sometimes we meet people in restaurants. You know, we'll meet them in restaurants, invite them back for games. You know, sometimes we'll order a pizza. You know, have a budget. You know, you don't have to feed people beyond what you can afford. Amen. And a lot of people will say, I can't have you over because I can't afford, you know, I can't afford to do that. Okay, well, then have coffee. Right, yeah. You know, have coffee and a bowl of peanuts and a bowl of something sweet. That's all you need. Chocolate, right? right? Uh, set, so set a budget. Um, I, I read a saying once, and I thought I would really like to have this for my house. It was a plaque that somebody had put on their wall, and it said, if you're coming to see my house, go away. If you're coming to see me, come on in. <laughs> so I, I really did like that. Okay, so to close, I want to share a story with you. So Tim mentioned the scripture here about, um, by unbeknownst, you may entertain angels, right? So my family being so hospitable over the years, I remember as a teenager we had a traditional gospel meeting at our church, which lasted a week. And early in the week, these two guys showed up, and they looked homeless, and they smelled homeless. And they came into our building and sat down, and after church, my dad got to talking to them. And come to find out, they had traveled. They were walking. They had been walking from the south, like Alabama-ish, and they were literally walking, sharing God with people. And they had been doing this for how long? And so my dad talked to them about, you know, hey, would you consider coming for the weeks? Commit to staying and studying with us this week. And, um, you know, we'll study together. And they talked amongst themselves over in the corner and decided, yes, they would do that. But they had no place to stay. So my dad said, you can come stay with us. <laughs> so my mom was like, okay, uh, a bath and clean clothes. And they were amicable. They said, yes, we can do that. So they came and they spent the entire week uh, with us in our home. They studied the Bible. They were baptized because they realized that they had actually never studied Acts 2 very thoroughly and didn't really know about making Jesus Lord in that way. And so they were baptized. They literally, I am not kidding you, they got up out of the water, they put their clothes, their dry clothes on, and they walked down the road. Wow. Wow. We never saw them again. And it was such a crazy experience. You know, it was just like, oh, my goodness. And we literally had this conversation. What if they were angels? You know, what if they were angels? Like, we had no idea. They just showed up. They spent the week. They studied they walked off down the road. So I hope that's encouraging to you all. But Amen. So if the uh, worship team wouldn't mind, go ahead and head, uh, come on back up. We're going to close out with our final song here this morning. But I wanted to 
close out with this. I think many of you can relate to this story. You know, it wasn't so much the fact that I realized that my life was out of step with God's word, which I did, even though I was raised a very religious kid. What took me over the hump of my doubt, of my hesitation, was Wendy's family. Having meals in Wendy's, mom and I saw for the first time in my life what a Christian home looked like. I saw how a mom and dad loved each other and their kids. And they would have their squabbles and their little things that happen in a family at dinner. But I felt loved. I felt like I belonged. And in the church that they were a part of, that I started going to, I had never seen such hospitable people in my life. Again, even though I'd grown up most of my life in intense religious environments, good religious environments, but it was the hospitality. It was the love that the church expressed for one another, not just in word, but in deed, in actuality. God is begging us. God is encouraging us. As the father that Jeff demonstrated in the skit earlier this morning, he is waiting for us to come home and embrace his hospitality. His design, his desire for us to love him, to love one another, and to love the community in which he's placed us with the power of the gospel. We are not a gospel of talk. We are demonstrating the gospel of God through the very actions of our lives. And may he always be praised. Take it away, worship singers. Please stand with us as we sing.